Welcome to Communicate to Lead for leaders and aspiring leaders who want to clarify their message and communicate with impact. I'm your host, Keely Belton. In this show, you'll get all the tips and strategies you need to communicate with impact and lead your team to excellence. Let's get straight into today's episode. I am joined today by my really good friend, Sarah Benenson Goldberg from SBG Leadership Coaching and Consulting. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thanks, Keely. I'm so happy to be here with you. Nice it's, to see a familiar face. <laughs> it's wonderful to see you. It's been it's been a while since we saw each other. So I'm so excited to have you on the show and have you share with my audience a little bit about what you do and how you empower leaders and specifically how you empower female leaders. So I'm excited about that. Me too. Me too. Tell me more about yourself, your work, and what inspired you to start your business. I had a completely different career years ago. I spent 17 years in advertising sales. I worked mm-hmm. for Walt Disney for many of those years. And it was a primarily male-dominated type of business, but mm-hmm. women made their way. And I ended up, however, leaving the workforce after my uh, children were young because I couldn't quite see a path forward. Mm. That required a lot of travel. And I had an opportunity to shift gears and do something completely different. And Mm. I decided I was going to go do this thing called coaching, which back then nobody even really knew what it was. Nice. I had always a passion for working with women, but of course, men and women need a lot of the same support and the same accountability. So I coach men and women. But what happened over time was that having come from the corporate world and realizing that many women face what they face today, like things hadn't changed a whole lot since I left Mm. the corporate world. And I just gravitated more and more to empowering people, helping people manage their sabotaging voice, which I know we're going to talk about later, mm-hmm. and to also have a vision for themselves. And that's what I ended up doing for myself was having a vision. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit more about how do you help your clients create a vision for themselves and where they want to move towards? Well, the first thing is I remind everyone that a vision is just a vision. It is not a plan. And that's mm. a that's a big <laughs> That's a great distinction. And when I went through my morphing into something else other than advertising sales, I had to do the same thing for myself. And of course, I wanted to go right into plan mode. And people always say, I got to quote, figure it out. Yes. Uh, We can't quote, figure it out until we have more insight and information. Mm -hmm. So I always tell people a vision is anything that pops into your head. Uh, I've worked with people where they have a vision. I just want to work internationally. After 20 years of being Mm -hmm. in the same role, I just want to be an international. Okay. I want a big team. I want a flexible environment. Mm -hmm. Anything that gets you moving in a certain direction. And then I always tell people, imagine you're standing on one side of a riverbank Mm -hmm. and on the other side, and you jump from lily pad to lily pad to get to the other side of the riverbank. Each time you jump, you just ask yourself, am I getting closer to that vision? And sometimes you'll go horizontal, sometimes you'll go straight across, but you've got to always be moving towards whatever that vision is. And it can change. A vision can change anytime you want it to. Mm -hmm. Just a vision. Oh, I love the visual, the visual of the vision. Just listening to you talking about it, I can literally see it in my mind's eye. 
And it, it makes it so much easier to then determine, am I moving closer to towards my vision or am I moving away from my vision? And what is it that I want in the moment? I, I like the fact that you're saying it can change anytime. You Absolutely. are that person, you are in the driving seat. So you get to determine what you want and where you want to go. Yeah, I, I read something years ago, Martha Beck, she used to do work for Oprah. Mm-hmm. She once said that you should be like a dog following a scent. And you just keep following the scent until there's no scent anymore. Then you have to go another direction and follow <laughs> the next scent. And I feel like if we take that approach, that gets us towards the other side of the rubber bank. You just can use whatever vision works for you. And That's beautiful. <laughs> There's something for every single kind of person, depending on what you're looking for. I love that. And tell me a little bit more about, so I know you you do a lot of coaching. Obviously, you do a lot of consulting. Can you give us a snapshot of what your day looks like in terms of working with clients and working in your business? What my day looks like? Well, every day is different. <laughs> Uh, some days I have 7 a.m. workshops and 7 p.m. workshops, although I try not to do them in this in the same day. Mm-hmm. I have coaching clients scattered. And in this world of hybrid, I might actually scoot out to do a spin class in the middle of the day. Nice. <laughs> I, I used to travel a lot for work. And mm-hmm. of course, I don't anymore. And the biggest change there is when I'm working with APAC, for example, mm-hmm. you don't even start running a workshop until about 7, 38 o'clock at night. Oh my um, goodness. It's really different versus jumping on planes and what mm-hmm. we all used to do. And the same thing with the morning, there's about one and a half hours in the morning where companies can bring their global workforce together. Mm-hmm. So if I'm running a workshop for a global workforce, that is between about seven and eight 30 in the morning. Wow. <laughs> really, early some, really early for others and sort of cocktail hour for others. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so my day is pretty different and workshops that I run can be an hour and a half or they can be four hours, mm-hmm. Never longer than four hours when I'm doing virtual. And Going, going back in person is starting again. I did my first offsite in person. Wow. That first time in two years. That's crazy. Definitely shifting. And how do you make time for self-care when your day is so completely different? You could be starting off at 7 or a.m. or starting another, facilitating another workshop at 7 p.m. How do you make time for yourself? It does get a little hard sometimes. However, mm-hmm. what I find is if I put say an exercise class in my calendar mm-hmm. and I actually sign up for it, I find I go. If I don't sign up for it, there's often that little voice saying, ah, it's okay, you didn't sign up. So being really intentional and that is truly what I teach all my clients is mm-hmm. first is awareness, second is intention, and third is practice. So I'm aware that I need to take care of myself. I have the intention. The key is I got to get to the practice. Right. <laughs> there are just some days that I don't. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I have to be okay with that. I, mm. I am okay with that. You're reminding me of something that Michael Hyatt often says when he's coaching or facilitating training. He says, what gets scheduled gets done. So if mm-hmm. you don't schedule it, it's not going to happen. And it's really about deciding in terms of intentionality, how much do you want it? Well, it's true. I mean, somehow we make time for the things we really want. Let's mm-hmm. face it. The, the thing with scheduling that's sort of interesting is if you know anything about Myers-Briggs, I know you do, mm-hmm. but some people are very organized and 
scheduled and we, that's, that's me, we need to put things in our calendar because we just operate that way. So without it, we might feel a little lost. The opposite end of the spectrum, they call it P in Myers-Briggs. Mm-hmm. Uh, those individuals prefer not to schedule and yet they actually need to schedule in order to get things done. Mm-hmm. So the bottom line is we all need to schedule things. Beautiful. You mentioned about Myers Briggs, and I know that some of the work that you do. What drew you to that work, and how do you use it working with your own clients? I just love Myers Briggs because it transcends generations. And you know, nowadays in the workforce, there's young people, there's um, highly seasoned people, mm-hmm. and somehow everybody seems to know Myers Briggs. There's tons mm-hmm. of other great assessments out there, but there's a certain credibility. So I feel like I don't have to sell the concept of Myers Briggs. True. Well, you might have to with some of the newer products. What I like about it is that it it starts all about energy, extrovert, introvert. Mm-hmm. Fuel from the inside or do you fuel from the outside? The other components are very much about your communication style, mm-hmm. and leadership style. And I do it through those lenses. So how you bring in information, either you're a big picture person or you're more detailed and sequential, that affects how you communicate with others. Mm. And understanding different communication styles helps us collaborate better, helps mm-hmm. us be more influential. There's also how you make decisions, which mm-hmm. I think applies to all pieces of our lives. And then how do you manage your outer world? Mm-hmm. And the reason why I like Myers-Briggs is it's just those four lanes that it really looks at mm-hmm. related to your personal life, your mm-hmm. work life, your communication style, your leadership style. And it's fairly easy to understand if you Mm -hmm. keep it in those lanes. Right. And what I really like about Myers-Briggs is also a little bit of the flexibility, because I remember when I was in my late 20s, I took a Myers-Briggs assessment. We, we had someone come to our office, so and they, she did a whole team exercise with all of us. And I remember, I actually went back and looked it up. I remember what I was. And when I did the Myers-Briggs exercise, I, I believe it was 2018. And as a matter of fact, you were the one who did the assessment for us. It was different. So I was a little surprised. And I remember having the conversation with you about why the change. So tell us a bit more about how one can change from one year to five years down the road. Well, the reality is inside at our core, we actually don't change. Mm-hmm. Myers-Briggs is supposed to capture the most innate, authentic you. Now, the idea, of course, is that as you grow and mature and live life, that you learn to flex because all of the components live inside of us. We just Mm -hmm. have a natural leaning one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Extrovert, introvert. I have introversion in me, but I'm a total extrovert. So for me, learning how to flex my introverted side, particularly Mm -hmm. when I went from sales to coaching. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. That was a a big change. The idea is that if you're answering the assessment Mm -hmm. five years ago versus now, you might very well be coming at it from a different headspace. Ah, okay. Yourself to do certain things. You've gotten really good at other things, Mm -hmm. but if you were to run the world exactly how you wanted it to be, Mm -hmm. would likely answer the questions the same from five years ago to today. Mm -hmm. That's so helpful because now that you say that in terms of our innate abilities don't change, I'm an introvert and that has never changed. I've taken the test 
at least three times. And that is always very clearly, that's where I am. That resonates. That feels so true to me. But then some of the others, it kind of changes and vacillates depending on where I am in my life, what I'm doing for work and what my focus is. Right. Because you learn to stretch yourself. But I will say the other reason why I love working with Myers-Briggs and using it with my clients is I feel that it gives people a sense that it's okay, whatever your innate way is. Mm-hmm. That you know, we live in a pretty extroverted world, so introverts get a bit of a bad rap sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yes, we realize it's not a judgment of character; mm-hmm. it's how they fuel themselves. And yeah. extroverts need to learn to exercise an introverted side in order mm-hmm. to sometimes leave space for others. Mm-hmm. And introverts sometimes need to step up and throw a little bit more verbal cues out there. <laughs> yes natural for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we're all constantly working on the least preferred side of ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's so important for people to realize it's okay, whatever your most innate way is. And from there, we can start coaching on a much more positive framework because Mm -hmm. people aren't feeling bad about themselves. Mm -hmm. Something that I've always been fascinated by. Tell me more about the work you do around the inner critic. (laughs) Well, everybody has one, men, women, old, young, and everything in between. It is, you can call it whatever you want. You're in a critic, your alter ego, uh, your gremlin. I came from CTI where I got trained as a coach and we called Mm -hmm. it the saboteur, Mm -hmm. sabotaging voice. And it is a lifetime of fear, insecurity, and doubt. Mm. The thing is, is that most of our lives we're told, just quiet that voice. Don't listen to it. Mm. And that's all great conceptually. What I realized over time is that nobody knows how to quiet it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and more importantly, it's about managing it, not mm. getting rid of it because it never leaves you. It's a part of who you are. So in fact, in my work, I have people raise their saboteur to the level of intense consciousness. Mm. When it's at the level of subconscious, that's when it has its hold on us. What we do is we begin to recognize what your saboteur says. It Mm -hmm. always follows a theme, a theme of perfection, a theme of scarcity, a theme of I'm not good enough. And you start to recognize that. You start Mm -hmm. to recognize the thoughts Mm. in your head. You start to recognize what it feels like when the saboteur shows up. I mean, for example, some people clench their jaw, some people have a drop in their stomach, but that physical cue is a reminder once you get comfortable with all of this, mm-hmm. that your saboteur is showing up. We also have people personify their saboteur. What does it look like, sound like? Mm-hmm. Does it have a name? And I've had clients who, you know, it's everything from a mother-in-law to mother or father, to their childhood self, to a green frog. I had a client once that their saboteur was was a troll. I don't know if you remember the little trolls with the- Yes, I do. (laughs) She was at a garage sale one time and she bought a little troll that was for sale and she keeps it right next to her computer. It reminds her. You know, some people have drawn tornadoes. They feel Mm -hmm. like the saboteur is just this overwhelming feeling like they're being swooped up in a tornado. Mm -hmm. You bring it to the level of consciousness. You recognize when it shows up. So that's the awareness. 
Mm. Then you have the intention to send it away. And I teach people a formula, which I'll tell you in a minute. Mm-hmm. And practice. You have to keep practicing sending it away. Mm-hmm. So the formula is thoughts plus feelings equal behavior. So T plus F equals B. Okay. He is, you have to recognize the disempowered thought, mm-hmm. the feelings that come along with it and notice your behavior. Okay. Then when that's really visible to you, that you're in tune with it, then you can go to the thought, the disempowered mm-hmm. thought and literally cross it out and replace okay. it with a more empowering thought. Can you give us an example of a disempowered thought and how you would shift it to a more empowered thought, how that would affect your feelings or emotions, and then what behavior change comes along with it? Right. So so classic one is you're in a meeting and Mm -hmm. you're not speaking up. Okay. That's one of the most classic (laughs) answers we have. And I can tell you, I've worked with senior level people. Uh, even uh, like a head of finance who goes Mm -hmm. to hearing meetings and even he felt like he couldn't speak up because he's there with a bunch of engineers. Wow. So the sabotaging voice might say something like, you're not the expert in the room, or they're much more senior than you are. They Mm -hmm. know more, or you're going to sound pretty stupid if you ask that question, Mm -hmm. right? Keeping us down, right? holding us back. So if you can recognize that's happening, usually recognize it because physically you feel it show up Mm -hmm. or you recognize perhaps your behavior, like Mm. not raising your hand, you're sitting Mm. in the back room, (laughs) you notice that disempowered behavior. So the key is to change the thought and client of mine, she always changed her thought to, well, I was invited here for a reason. Yes. Oh, that's a good one. Sit here. And Mm so invite me for a reason. Or another one I love to tell my clients is that nobody's thinking about you as much as you think they are. Oh, amen. (laughs) They're so worried that you're going to be judged for saying something stupid. Mm. And yet they're all in their own heads worrying about what they're going to say next too. So crossing out a disempowered thought such as I'm not senior enough, or I'm going to sound stupid and Mm -hmm. replace it with I was invited here for a reason, Mm -hmm. or I'm going to throw out an idea see where it takes me. A little hint is to give yourself what we call a safety phrase. Such okay. my initial thoughts are, or based on what I've heard, mm-hmm. my head is going in this direction. So it's a little message to yourself, which is, I don't have to be perfect. These are just preliminary thoughts. Mm. You feel better because you're letting everybody know this is not a fully formed idea. Yeah. So a safety phrase can be really, really helpful to calm that sabotaging voice. How do you help a client struggling with perfectionism? I'm interested in that because that's something I often struggle with. So when I have my inner critic or my sabotaging voice coming up saying, you're not quite there yet. You, you have to figure that out before you say anything. And what happens is it keeps me from saying something. It keeps me from sharing yeah. an idea that I have. How do you help a client move through that perfectionist voice that's keeping them from just contributing and being out there? Well, one of the first things I usually ask my clients are, how do you know when you've gotten to perfect? Do you have a checklist? Mm. And <laughs> Of course, when so what happens when I say that to you? It's funny that you say that. I don't have a checklist. 
<laughs> I, I, I fully expect that when it's perfect, I'll just know it. Okay. So that's the point is there's no such thing as a checklist. How mm. are you really going to know what is perfection? So there is no such thing as perfect is the mm-hmm. key. So mm. the first piece of this process is to recognize there is no such thing as perfect. And mm-hmm. even if there were, we'd all have our own version of perfect. That's true. So you got to kind of dig in and hear what you're saying to yourself that is leading you to perfect. Mm-hmm. I don't know what your starting thoughts are. I'm a perfectionist also, but it's keep going, keep going. Mm-hmm. It's got to be perfect. Well, that is not serving me well. Mm-hmm. So I've actually adopted the 80-20 rule, which took a long time. And mm-hmm. I realized that the 20% that I thought maybe still needed to get perfect, nobody really is noticing. Very true. I have to say, I like that 80-20 rule that you have. For me, I have a little mantra and I actually have it up in my office where I say done is better than perfect. So many people say that out there, but if I get it done and put it out in the world, I'll know whether my work resonates or doesn't resonate with people. If I don't share it, nobody's going to know what I can, what I have to offer, what I can contribute. Yeah. And the other thing is we hold ourselves back sometimes from offering an idea or an opinion because Mm -hmm. we're so worried about being judged. What we forget is that whether our idea is a good or bad or somewhere in the middle, it's often a springboard for somebody else's idea. Ooh, that's good. So you never know where Mm -hmm. even a dumb idea is going to take the next person. Yeah, so that helps me remember, wow, just throw it out there. You never know how it might help somebody else. Mm-hmm. That might be just another one that I add to my list of things. I really like my idea might just be a springboard for somebody else's idea. And because how many times has it happened when we're listening to others in the room speaking and sharing their thoughts and ideas where I then get an idea and I think, oh my gosh, what about this? And I wouldn't have had that idea if the other person didn't share theirs. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But we all need little seeds of thoughts to prompt us Mm -hmm. to think bigger, to think differently. Without a doubt. Can you tell me about a time when your own saboteur showed up and how you navigated the situation? Oh, boy. (laughs) Early on, when I, I was still at Disney and somebody had approached me and suggested I start my own business. Mm-hmm. That had never occurred to me. <laughs> I didn't think I could do it. I just had my first kid. I wanted a second mm-hmm. kid. I didn't sleep for nights thinking about how awful I would be at running my own business. And this was before coaching. This was a whole nother. Wow. wow. And I'll never forget. I didn't even know all this coaching stuff back mm-hmm. then, but I will never forget being aware that if I didn't try, I would feel regret at mm. never having tried. And even to this day, when I feel like I can't do something, don't want to do something mm-hmm. because I'm afraid of failing, I remind myself of way back when, when I didn't even know what a sabotaging voice was and mm-hmm. how that new thought of never wanting to feel regret mm. was a powerful thought for me. So I keep coming back to that. But anyway, I did end up starting my business back then. It was, it was, I was still in ad sales. Mm-hmm. And I ended up getting pregnant with the second kid. And of course, I had a whole nine months to adjust. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wonderful. How does someone go about identifying their saboteur? For example, you know, we, we can have all kinds of random thoughts thinking, oh, I'm not good enough. Gosh, if I could just get it perfect. But if someone wanted to commit and do the work, how do they go about really identifying it and being able, because what you teach, and I'd like to get into when you're teaching, it's to empower someone, you have to be able to identify the saboteur to know what it, how it shows up before you are able to send it away. So one of the first things is to be familiar with these themes. And we're all familiar. You even said, oh yeah, mine's perfectionism. And mm-hmm. somebody else says, oh, I want to be liked. Mm-hmm. We all have pretty common themes. So the first is to recognize that because as you begin to recognize the themes, the mantras that are being chanted in your head, the mm-hmm. thoughts that you're telling yourself, you are bringing the saboteur up to the level of consciousness. And that is the first step in feeling more empowered. Mm-hmm. So the first thing is to notice our lifetime of fear, insecurity, and doubt. Mm-hmm. What do you fear the most? What are you most right. insecure about? Mm-hmm. Now, taking apart all the thoughts and being able to really identify a thought often comes after you recognize a feeling or a behavior first. Okay. It's easy to recognize disempowered behavior because you're pulling back, you're shutting mm-hmm. down, you're not taking a risk. So mm-hmm. usually the saboteur, of course, shows up when we want to take a risk or try something new. Mm-hmm. The saboteur only lives in the past and the future. It does not live in the present. So I was, that's a hard concept. Say the that saboteur, again. I I want you to say it again so that my listeners can really lean into that. Your saboteur lives only in the past mm-hmm. and the future, not in the present. So I'll explain. And when okay. you hear yourself saying, oh, I should have, would have, could have, mm-hmm. if only I had done that, or why was I so stupid? Like you're looking backwards and trying to rewrite what has been. Mm. Okay. Wow. In the future, it's what if this happens? What if they don't like me? What if I fail? It's all the what ifs. When you are in the present, the saboteur doesn't live. Okay. So when you can bring yourself into the present, mm-hmm. literally put your feet on the floor and feel the weight of your feet. Mm. You feel a drop of your stomach or you feel your jaw clenching up. Put your hand where your jaw is or your hand where your stomach is, wherever you feel that, that dissonance. Mm-hmm. And it is in that moment that you can remind yourself Wow, my saboteur is here. Wow. And to recognize that it's there. And again, you're going to recognize it from the feelings and from the behavior. Mm. Then you can dig into what's the thought that's generating this feeling and that behavior. Mm-hmm. I read an amazing book years ago by a guy named David Rock, and he it's called Your Brain at Work. Oh, yes. I love that book. That's one of my favorites. It talks about how there's, when there's too much going on in your head, like it's spinning around, it's like Mm -hmm. a watching a play and there's so many props and so many characters on the play. You've Mm -hmm. lost sight of the scene. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) There is a little science here, believe it or not. When I say, put your hand wherever you feel the dissonance, Mm -hmm. that is moving out of your cerebral cortex to whatever part of your brain manages physical movement. So when we sit in that swirl in our cerebral cortex, that is when we cannot decipher what is a disempowered thought. Our saboteur is very sneaky. It makes us feel that it is doing the best thing for us that it can do. It is Mm -hmm. preventing us from making fools of ourselves, Mm. embarrassing ourselves, 
failing, but really it's holding us back. Thank you for saying that because that is so true. Often when I look at the literature and I listen to people talking about the inner critic or their sabotaging voice, what always comes up is, oh, it's trying to keep you safe. It doesn't necessarily know that this is not the safety that you need right now. So I love the fact that you're saying it's not trying to keep you safe. It's holding you back. Well, we're holding, holding you back. Mm-hmm. So bringing it to a level of consciousness takes time, but it takes awareness, intention, and practice. And the mm-hmm. awareness starts with recognizing triggers, recognizing mm-hmm. themes, recognizing thoughts. But again, the thoughts are usually the hardest thing to recognize. So you mm-hmm. will become more familiar with your disempowered behaviors or your disempowered feelings. Mm-hmm. Does it ever happen where someone is committed to doing the the work, they're working on this daily, that their sabotaging voice shifts and comes up with new themes or new thoughts, or does that typically not happen? I mean, every now and then I I work with people that say, no, no, I don't have a sabotaging voice. Okay. That's not accurate. (laughs) They are right now in their lives. They're feeling good about themselves. Mm -hmm. They are very confident. They could walk into a room and who knows, somebody would be there and all Mm -hmm. of a sudden they feel a little insecure. Well, they're just not remembering what that feels like wherever Mm -hmm. they are right now in their lives, they're feeling great. Mm -hmm. Uh, Confidence and empowerment is the greatest tool to hold back our saboteur. Mm -hmm. And really one of the reasons why I started doing this work around the saboteur is I found over the years... I would get feedback early in my career. You need to be more confident. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, okay, but wait a minute. How, how do I do that? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I was about to ask you, did they at least tell you what that looks oh, like? <laughs> no, no. And, and in fact, when you get feedback at work, you all, nobody really does tell you. Mm-hmm. Be a better listener. Be more curious. Okay. How am I going to do that? You can. Mm. So the saboteur and dissecting it with the thoughts, feelings, and behaviors really came about because people are told to be more confident and they Mm. don't really know how to Mm. do it. And it really starts with changing those disempowered thoughts to more empowering thoughts. Yeah. So good. Change your disempowered thoughts to more empowering thoughts. I I remember years ago, one of my daughters, she was maybe 10 years old and she's playing basketball. Oh, we're playing the, we're paying the best team in the league. We're playing the best team in the league. And she gets on the -hmm. the court. And of course, how do you think she plays? She kept saying, we're going to lose. We're going to lose. Well, you know, they lost and she of course played terribly. She comes off the court. I knew it. I knew we were going to lose. And I said, you know, if you had told yourself you're playing the best team and we're going to give it our all, said, even if you lost, you would have played like a winner. Mm. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. What you say is probably what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, it's the thought that generates the disempowered feelings and then Mm -hmm. the disempowered behavior. Mm -hmm. Gets you the results that you didn't want. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And what do you think is the biggest challenge that leaders are facing today? Biggest. Well, I can't pretend to know my clients' businesses, but I will say that this hybrid version I find pretty fascinating because mm-hmm. companies are trying to come up with policies. And I don't know that a policy is going to work across the board at all. In a mm-hmm. way, hybrid needs to mean individualized. Okay. 
I've heard some people want to work four days a week. Some people want to come into an office four days a month. It doesn't seem to be any one standard. Mm-hmm. And I find a little bit of a divide between senior leaders who perhaps live closer to the office or mm-hmm. have a little more support at home with the kids that stepping into the shoes of all the other employees mm-hmm. would be an exercise in in really trying to understand what's needed out there. Yeah, that's tough. I think it's tough. I do. When I did that first offsite a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. I don't know if it was giving up my slippers and my pajama bottoms that made <laughs> me feel so uncomfortable, <laughs> but I was actually a little nervous. I mean, talk about the sabotaging voice. I thought, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, am I going to remember how to have energy at the front mm-hmm. of the room and you know, speak spur of the moment? And mm. It was all okay. I still missed my slippers, though. <laughs> oh, I can't believe that. I have to say, one of the most wonderful thing about the pandemic, I mean, there are a lot of bad things, but one of the great things truly is, as an introvert, it's allowed me to work from home, to work from a space where I feel comfortable and relaxed. And even though I work at home, I have good enough friends that I can get on a call, that I can text if I need that support or I want that connection. But working from home, I don't think I'm ready to give it up. Not not anytime soon. I mean, I'm a huge extrovert and I'm just <laughs> fine working at home. <laughs> <laughs> What's one piece of advice you would give a new leader or someone aspiring to leadership? I do think having a vision is critical. It does not have to be a well-formed anything. It's just a vision. You always want to be moving towards mm-hmm. towards something. I also think that really, truly getting in touch with the sabotaging voice mm-hmm. is very powerful because it truly is just fear, insecurity, and doubt. Yeah, We all have it and it mm-hmm. pops up even if somebody thinks they don't have it. Mm-hmm. They just haven't been in a situation recently mm. that made them feel insecure or fearful. In, yeah. in all the work that I've done, now that you're mentioning that, we all have that. It's so fascinating to me as an introvert and being a perfectionist, or I, I often call myself a recovering perfectionist because I'm trying to get over that. I'm intentionally working on that. It's always fascinating to meet someone that you've seen from a distance and you thought, oh, they always have it together. They always seem confident. They always seem ready to do what needs doing. And then you have a connection with them. You have a conversation and you eventually find out, oh, they are just like me. They also have doubts, the fear, everything else. They have simply found a way to work through that on a consistent basis. Or you just don't see what goes on on the inside. Very true. <laughs> Very true. My heart is pounding and nobody, <laughs> nobody sees. Yeah. Funny that you say that. Many of my clients say that when I tell them I'm an introvert and I often work, I do a lot of my work with introverts, a lot of them leaders. And when I tell them, when I need to facilitate training, my heart is pounding, my throat is dry, my hands are clammy. You can't see it, but I still feel it at least for those five seconds before I get started. And then I focus on the people in front of me. I focus on what I want to do and how I want to serve the people in front of me. And I forget about my fear and it goes away. Well, I have the same fear every single time you're facilitating a new group. Mm -hmm. And this is what I always remind myself. This is my version of an empowered thought, which is I know more than they do Mm -hmm. about the topic that 
you know, in which I'm speaking, I know more about facilitation mm-hmm. than they do. And that's why I'm there. So they'll also never know if I make a mistake or I forget something. Mm-hmm. And I always have to remind myself of that yeah. in order to get up there and mm-hmm. do what we do all the time. Like I tell my clients, you are the subject matter expert. You are in the room because you have the expertise. So yes. I want to go back to vision for one minute because you said, what's one piece of advice? Mm-hmm. Uh, oftentimes what stops us from having our vision is our sabotaging voice. Say more about that. Right. Well, oh, Sarah, you could never do that. Oh, I imagine traveling the globe and doing my trainings ever. You could never do that, Sarah. You have two little kids at home, right? When Mm -hmm. my kids were younger. Our sabotaging voice is constantly holding us back. And that's why Mm -hmm. I always say to my clients, a vision's just something on the other side of that riverbank you're moving towards. Mm -hmm. Instead of coming up with all the reasons why you couldn't get there, just allow yourself to dream. Mm That's all it is. It's a dream. And how do you make that dream a reality? You obviously have to come up with a plan. If you could give my listeners one tip to start getting a plan together to make that vision a reality, what would that be? I'm going to go back to the lily pads because Mm -hmm. when we try to have a full plan, this is not a business plan. Mm -hmm. Uh, We we get stumped because we don't have all the information. We don't have all the answers. And if we wait to move towards our vision, mm-hmm. wait until we have all the answers, we're never going to get there. So that is why I emphasize the lily pads. Ask yourself, what's one thing I could do that'll move me closer to that vision? So for example, I had a client, she always had a dream of being a nurse I and mean, she was a businesswoman. Mm-hmm. And she kept telling herself she made a mistake. She should have gone into nursing. And I finally said, well, why don't you at least explore what it would take to go into nursing? Okay. She allowed herself a little exploration. Like, let's take that first step. Maybe this is for you. Mm -hmm. She came back. She was so incredibly clear that she did not want to go back to school and redo college, which she had to do all the pre-med. Right. Rather. And it was so clear to her that she stopped. She stopped thinking about it because that one little step made her realize, huh, Maybe that vision isn't on the other side of my riverbank. Mm. One step that helps you uncover a little bit more understanding of what it is you want to do or mm-hmm. reach out to one person who can give you some feedback. One step in that direction and forget about a plan. Okay. I love that. Plans can be overwhelming. One step, that's doable. One step in that direction. Mm-hmm. That's why I always say it's a bunch of lily pads. And if we give ourselves little steps, our lives become much more manageable and moving in the direction we want to move. Mm -hmm. And don't forget, it's your saboteur that's telling you, oh, you need a plan. You need a plan. Mm -hmm. By the way, I love plans. I love (laughs) org charts and timelines and plans. Sarah, I'm laughing because I'm such a big planner. My husband knows this. My friends and family know this. I love a good plan, but I've also had to realize as I've gotten older that sometimes plans hold you back because you're thinking, I can't get started until I have that plan. So I have to sit down and come up with a plan. I become overwhelmed. And then I decide to take a break and I basically take no action. Well, I'll give you a a funny example is almost 20 years ago, maybe it's about 17 years ago now, when I started my coaching business, I mm-hmm. could not come up with a name for my business. Okay. My web designer finally said to me, okay, Sarah, we're just going to put SBG coaching there. 
for mm-hmm. a placeholder. Nice. And it gave me <laughs> a chance to start working on the website. Mm-hmm. Flash forward 17 years later, I've still never changed the name. But Love it. I mean, I, a version of it, SBG Leadership Coaching and Consulting. But mm-hmm. the reality is that that little thing was holding me back and holding me back, mm-hmm. even creating a website. And of course, that was my sabotaging voice because I didn't want to put myself out there. Mm-hmm. The whole cycle. But Beautiful. I had to with that placeholder and move myself forward. Thank you for sharing your story. It's so wonderful just to get an, some insight into you, into your work, and, and really giving us some tips. So thank you for all those tips. I'm pretty sure my audience are sitting up, they're listening, and I hope they're taking notes because this is something that we can take into our own hands and decide to shift for ourselves. So thank you for that, Sarah. I want to highlight one thing, and that is that I do a lot of work with women Mm -hmm. uh, because women must feel more empowered to speak up and stand Mm -hmm. up in in the work environment Mm -hmm. to create the change that we need done. And it is our sabotaging voice that often holds us back from Mm -hmm. being that that voice of change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. On that note, what three books, podcasts, or apps would you recommend to my audience to help them feel more empowered, be more empowered to show up? What would that look like? Well, let's see. My, I mean, I told you the... Uh, the David Rock one, the Your Brain book. at Work. Yes, I love that book. But you know, Sarah, while you're thinking, there's, one, there's another book that you... Oh, yeah. Change Your Presence, Change Your Life. So yes. I do a lot of work with mm-hmm. Ms. Mary Adams, and she talks a lot about the judger versus the learner. So mm-hmm. I do a lot of work with my clients around how do you shift from being a judger mm-hmm. to a learner. And when we are judgers and we go down the judger path, we will ultimately end up in the pit mm-hmm. where you can't get out and you're just judging others, you're judging yourself. And that is, of course, where the sabotaging voice gets louder and louder and louder. Mm-hmm. So being able to switch to a learner mindset, it takes a little practice and I'll, I'll do a a plug for Marilee Adams, go get her book because it's really a yes. very effective concept. So I love the David Rock, the Marilee Adams, and just practice working, managing your sabotaging voice with thoughts plus feelings equals behavior. I don't have a book. However, mm-hmm. uh, you can take that little equation and just yeah. write it down and practice. So Sarah, talking about, I don't have a book. Do you have an intention to write a book and what would it be about? Well, the only thing I could imagine is taking the course that I run for women, the mm-hmm. ABCs of Leadership Success, mm-hmm. and making it into some form of a book that people could use to almost guide themselves through the course. So mm-hmm. A is the attitude, it's about mindset, B is behavior, it's about executive presence and how you show up, mm-hmm. and C is a whole bunch of different communication tools. And I teach ABC from the inside out. Because I feel like we can go to workshops and learn tools, mm-hmm. and all kinds of different things that we can quote do. But if we don't shift our mindset, mm-hmm. we don't really achieve the leadership success that that we want. Mm-hmm. So I imagine one day taking all the components of that workshop and putting it perhaps into a book. Mm. When we do the ABCs, the A is confidence and courage. So it's all around the sabotaging boys mm-hmm. and then it's learning to be curious and agile. And it's all about your mental uh, flexibility mm-hmm. in being a great leader. So I imagine yes. one day that will happen. Yeah. 
I look forward to it. Tell my listeners where they can find you and how they can work with you. Well, you can go to www.sbgleadership.com or you can email me at Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, at sbgleadership.com. And if you, if any of your listeners have any interest in the women's program that is mm-hmm. kicking off on May 25th, do reach mm-hmm. out to me or go to the website. Mm-hmm. We have an amazing group of women. It's a six-month program and it is the learning in a virtual environment, very interactive with executive coaching and small groups. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited. And I have to mention here, I am one of Sarah's coaches. So I facilitate small group coaching. I do one-on-one coaching for women leaders, and I definitely encourage you to go check it out. I will link in the show notes so you can just click on that, go through to Sarah's website and take a look at that incredible program because you'll never regret working on your own skills, on your mindset. And mindset is such a big and important part of it. Yeah, it's it's really huge. And the women who come out of the program, you could interview them and they would tell you, I didn't know what to expect from this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what this six months was going to be. And it is really transformational. Mm. We're talking about things that women need to talk about, mm-hmm. but more importantly, we're empowering ourselves. Yeah. And that's truly what we are learning to do is empower ourselves to create yeah. change. Yes. And you know, Sarah, you mentioned about the program being transformational. I can truly attest to that. It's been amazing seeing some of the senior leaders moving into this program six months and then going into the coaching part of it and some of them becoming directors. Now, of course, it's not the intention to go into the program thinking, oh, I'm going to go for a promotion, but simply because of the work they've done and the commitment and really being intentional about where they want to go, what their vision is for themselves, that does eventually happen where we have women being promoted. And that well, is what we want. had somebody go through one of our programs. She she was trying to figure out like, quote, what's next for her. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the six months, she had the confidence and the courage to go pitch a role for herself that she pretty nice. much created. It's a very mm-hmm. large tech company. Mm-hmm. And she would tell you that the experience changed her life. Wonderful. I can attest to that. Sarah, thank you so much for thank joining you. me today. Thank you. It was really fun. And I hope I meet some of your listeners at some point. I hope so too. I will link in the show notes so you can have all of Sarah's contact details. And yes, let us know. What did you learn from today's episode? What did you enjoy? What do you want to know more about? Would you like to have Sarah on the podcast again? So thank you so much, Sarah. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. I knew this was going to be an amazing, amazing episode. (laughs) I mean, what can I say? Sarah shared so many incredible gems in our conversation. And I invite you to keep coming back to this episode. Listen again to all the nuggets and the gems she shared about how to confront your inner critic or your saboteur, whatever you decide to call it. It's time you confronted that voice and change your disempowered thoughts to more empowering ones. If you take nothing else with you today, remember that thoughts plus feelings equal behaviors. 
If you want to be more confident, speak up more in meetings, or simply ask for what you need, pay attention to the thoughts you might be having that are not serving you and what feelings come up for you. Then be intentional about it and consciously choose to change those thoughts to ones that empower you to lean into your skills. If you're interested in Sarah's incredible work with her leadership program, click the link in the show notes for more information. Thank you for joining me today. And please share this episode with other leaders or aspiring ones who will benefit from the conversation. Thank you again. Have a wonderful day and see you in two weeks. 